Welcome to the Lancefield on the Line podcast for strategic leaders. At your best, you make smart choices about where to focus to achieve big, bold ambitions. I'm your host, David Lancefield. In this series, I search the world for executives, entrepreneurs, and management thinkers who've got something new, distinctive, and meaningful to say on the topics of strategy, leadership, and culture. I delve deep into their thinking and experiences to draw out ideas and practices you can use. This episode is about how to master the inner journey of leadership in a way that leads to purposeful success. Now, the complex, often chaotic context we face requires a new way to practice leadership and indeed your own professional and personal development. It's not about throwing away what we have, but reflecting, then collaborating and ultimately reinventing yourself. My guest in this episode, Paolo Gallo, is an expert in developing leaders who do just this. Indeed, he's done it himself in his various leadership roles. We talk about the importance of foundational beliefs that guide how leaders think and behave. We also talk about how we should think about what success actually means and what it implies for who you spend your time with and what you spend your time on. We also reflect on what it takes to refresh and reinvent your identity as you look to amplify, enhance your leadership impact. Paola also calls out the myths and misconceptions that distract people from forging a better path for themselves and those around them. This episode is for any leader looking to supercharge their impact and take a fresh approach to their development. Paolo conveys the research and wisdom with eloquence and purpose. It's a fantastic conversation, which I took a lot away from, and I hope you enjoy it too. Well, it's wonderful to be here with you today, Paolo. My friend, my source of inspiration, somebody I've got to know over the last few years, somebody with incredible intellect, generosity, a wonderful spirit, and a lot of wisdom. Uh, And hey, your latest book, The Seven Games of Leadership, Navigating the Inner Journey of Leaders. This is a a brilliant book. It's substantive, it's well-researched, beautifully written, uh, very practical, lots of exercises. And, and, and you move from Greek philosophy to your one of your favorite musicians, probably your favorite musician, oh, Bruce yeah? Springsteen, um, to basketball, as you illustrate your point so vividly. Um, it's a manifesto, and it's a manual for any leader aspiring or experienced. So um, well done. Congratulations. And welcome to the show. Well, David, I'm, I'm supposed to be the one thanking you because uh, what you feel about me is reciprocal. We've been... Uh, helping each other, mentoring each other, exchanging views, hopes, uh, frustrations, pain, uh, uh, dreams, uh, concepts and ideas and books uh, over the years is something that I value enormously. So um, thanks thanks so much for inviting me back to your, to your podcast. Indeed. Well, it's an absolute pleasure and thank you for those kind words. So of course, we're going to be talking today about what it takes to play these games of leadership successfully and importantly, meaningfully. I mean, meaning comes through and purpose comes through your book and beliefs comes through your book um, right from the beginning. And perhaps let's start there because you set out quite early on in the book, effectively some founding beliefs of yours that you think are important. And in some ways it says, if you, if you believe the same, if you have the same beliefs, come on the journey with me. Why was putting your beliefs, your personal beliefs so important so early on in the book? Because what unites people, what relates people to organizations etc it's not so much what you do but why you're doing it fundamentally the purpose and the meaning behind uh, whatever activity whatever profession you have chosen 
in your life. So to me, uh, an understanding if there is a shared values behind uh, people behavior is absolutely crucial. And, uh, and uh, I mentioned this uh, in, in my book, there was a radio program in the 50s in the United States was called This I Believe, which I consider kind of a, the father of TED Talks, uh, in which people in five minutes have to tell a story about what they believe, no? And, um, and it's currently, you know, available online. You can listen I, and you know, only five minutes. So it's, it's, it's so short. You can listen in while you're taking a pose with, uh, with your cup of tea or your espresso. And these are very uplifting stories because very normal people like the two of us, David, are sharing what they believe, what the value system, what, what, what really drives them to do something meaningful in their own life. Huh? And, uh, so at the beginning of the book, I said, listen, that's what the thing that I believe. And if you believe the same things as I do, uh, then you may find this, this journey, this reading meaningful. And if you don't, uh, I respect your views, but perhaps you, you, you would not be able to, to find it that meaningful. But I, I generally believe that the, 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 what I was sharing is, 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 is something applicable to, to many people in different parts of the world. So I hope uh, we relate to people mind and heart. Mm. It's a great example early on of your clarity and your choices, because you talked later on about your choices about not only your career, but now who you want to work with and for. Um, so I thought that was a great example. If you had to pick out one belief, I know you have a number at the beginning, but if you had to pick out one belief that's most important to you, what would what would that be and why? Listen, I think uh, uh, being consistent in uh, in in your choices. I mean, like uh, when I say consistency, doesn't mean stubbornness, but it means uh, being able to remain who you are regardless of external circumstances. No, mm-hmm. um, and what I mean by this is, I can make a joke to say I'm a very honest person, except on Wednesday between three and four, meaning that you're not really such an honest person. No. And so equally in your professional life, for example, when uh, you have to do things that are against your values or when you are entering to territories that you know they're going to impact your reputation or your well-being, which choice do you make? And, um, and so to me, consistency is fundamentally remember what you stand for, remember what you stand for. And, uh, and if the clarity, that's the reason why my former book was called The Compass and the Radar, the clarity about your, your direction, your compass is, is part of your DNA. You may at times maybe lose your job, but, uh, you, you keep your integrity, which I think is, is much more valuable. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, I've been fired once because of that reason. Did I enjoy the process? No. Uh, did I miss, uh, the two months following that moment? Absolutely not. But I'm, I'm proud that I've done it. Yes, I'm proud that I've done it because I, 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 I maintain uh, my soul rather than sell it to somebody else. Yeah. So you've talked about the importance of beliefs in your own beliefs just then, and obviously is very prominent in your book. I guess it begs the question of how do so many people lose their identity and then require, if you like, some form of crisis, professional or personal, to reawaken themselves? Why, why do they lose consciousness of themselves? What goes on in their head? Well, listen, there, there are perhaps two elements to consider. The first one is, um, it seems to me that most of us uh, um, um, take uh, and understand the moment of crisis when there is a life quake happening to them. There are earthquakes and life quakes, and life quakes are uh, sad events that occurs in our life uh, in which uh, nobody is immune. 
Mm. Um, and so uh, to me, there is a bit of a sadness in, 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 in understanding seeing this behavior because it's almost like a, a expecting that you're immune from whatever difficulties. And then when it comes to you, then you're unprepared to deal with it. Mm. That's the first one. The mm. second element, uh, uh, I also do a small exercise when I, when I do my, my workshop or, or my speeches, if the number of the people in the room is reasonable. And I ask people to say, can you introduce yourself? And, uh, and uh, I leave the, the question very open. And some people said, my name is uh, John. I'm the VP of sales in a global company. I'm managing 120 people. Last year, I've done a budget of uh, 340 million pounds. That's, that's one way. And another one could say, my name is Jennifer. I'm a mother of three wonderful kids. Uh, and uh, I love reading. And uh, I keep, uh, you know, my husband uh, behaving well because uh, at times uh, it can be a bit uh, of a naughty guy and uh, there is a bit of humor. No? So here is just a little story that... Uh, how do you define yourself? What is your identity? Yes, yes. Some people define themselves about what they do and the business card that they have. And some people define themselves about who they are. Mm-hmm. And um, and I found actually, I don't want to say that men are this way and that the women are the other, but usually women have a more mature approach by mm-hmm. defining themselves uh, by not only being a professional, and most of them are incredibly good, uh, but also by, most importantly, by being a mother, by being a wife, by being a human being. Yes. And so here is to remember that we are human beings before being a human doing. You are defined by who you are, not by what you do and the business card that you have. If you define yourself exclusively by the role that you have, uh, the moment which the role is removed from you, you enter into an insurmountable crisis. And so I'm, I'm, I'm telling people, be careful because if anything, everything you have uh, is a business card with the word the vice president on it, uh, and uh, because of a restructuring, maybe tomorrow you, you don't have that job anymore, you feel there is no meaning in your life. So to me, having a broader sense of identity is helpful, and it's also helpful to deal with the crisis that eventually comes to everybody's life. That's very clear. That's very clear. I guess that links also to this broader concepts of success that you, you you talk about and you know I know many executives who say of course success is much more than my role my my title my the amount of money I earn it's much broader than that but then actually they talk about themselves in a very narrow way and actually consider their successes in life very narrowly too in particularly in terms mm-hmm. of professional successes what gets in the way is it the fact is it their upbringing is it insecurity is it what is it that leads people to define and practice success in such a narrow way? Madison, I, I, I'm not a psychologist, but uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, if you are relatively successful in your job, you start to believe that uh, uh, that's what success, success looks look like. like. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore, you you tend to, 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 to stay in this area. And then... Uh, in my book, uh, you may be the champion of the better game because you're bloody good in doing whatever you're doing, but then you don't grow. And I uh, also work with a lot of people that maybe are incredibly powerful or, or, or rich or, or famous or, or whatever, but they are not really fully developed individuals at all. Yes. At all. And they're very mature in their, their behavior and they are living with the terror of leaving, uh, of being removed from, from mm. a power position. Mm. Uh, so success, again, is something that in my view should be defined by you, not by society, 
not by expectations, not by what uh, your mother expects you to be, but what you want to be, by what you intend to do, what, what your heart is, what gives you energy, what you're very good at. And, um, and so you, you, if you shift from a success uh, is measured by the number of steps that you take in a corporate ladder from something more meaningful, I think you, you're going to be a much more meaningful and, and, and profound life uh, compared to people that spend their life that try to climb corporate ladders. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. So what does it take? Let's dig into that. What does it take to find peace in oneself that allows your own hopes, aspirations to, to flourish, to shine in a way, in a way that's true to you? What, what does it actually take? There is a, um, you know, a chapter in my book in which I, I explain the concept of congruence. Mm. And congruence uh, appears to be a bit of a, a mechanical word, but I think it's a beautiful word, which is fundamentally are, you know, what you say, what you do, and, and what you think uh, in the same place. No? Um, are you aligned with yourself? Uh, I, I, are you generally authentic in doing what you're doing? Because if this is the case... Uh, then I think uh, um, you, you have success, not because the other one validated, but because you know you are in the right spot. Yes. Okay? Uh, if, if you don't have this congruence and you have to pretend that maybe you work in a company that you don't really like or you work for a boss you don't really respect uh, or you feel that your skills are not utilized uh, at best uh, and maybe you end up staying there because it's convenient, because the salary is great or because maybe there is a good pension plan, mm. then, then uh, eventually... Uh, you, you're not going to have that congruence. And the congruence is, to me is, is essential. And you see, who are the most congruent people on earth? Kids. Mm. Uh, kids are beautifully congruent because they, they don't give a damn about you. They keep on playing soccer uh, if they want to. And they're totally engaged in what they're doing. They are sincere. And, and that's the reason why we love kids so much because they are congruent with themselves. Even when they're annoying, we still love them uh, because they are congruent in being annoyed and, uh, and annoyed. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and so here I, I really say, Hey, listen, you know, are you in the spot that you wanted to be? And, uh, and when this is the case, uh, then you have a moment of bliss of happiness. And it's not about, you know, you just get promoted or you get a bonus. It's really about, you know, I was born to do that job. That's what I want to do. Mm. That's where I give myself. This is where my energy is flowing. This is where my my brain is is functioning at its best. When you when you are in that zone, I think you're congruent, and then you're successful because you know you are, not because somebody needs to tell you. Yes, absolutely. You talk a lot about knowing yourself, knowing oneself, you know, and pr practicing your inner game. At the same time, also then making sure that you are good with others in simple terms, a good collaborator, a good person. And I can think of many CEOs who borderline probably narcissist in some ways, where they, you know, they may be very successful, but they're, you know, they need to be the in the spotlight. They need to be the ones, uh, you know, adored by everyone. Um, they're low on empathy, even though they probably use the word very regularly in their speeches. You know, we're an empathetic organization. How do you make the shift from, knowing yourself, but also then being, playing the outer game successfully as well. 
Now, uh, David, this is, a, this is another brilliant question because uh, in the journey that I try to describe in, in my book, the first two games are very egocentric. It's about you. The inner game is try to find out who you are and the better game, how you excel in doing whatever you're doing. Okay. But these are really closely focused on yourself. Mm. Then the first difficult step uh, in your growing is when you start playing the outer and the caring game. And outer implies intellectual curiosity to connect the dots, to develop what I call contextual intelligence, and to understand that perhaps life is not limited to your company, your sector, your job. There is a much bigger uh, you know, um, scenery in front of you and not necessarily always pleasant. And so when I describe the seven mega trends, it's not because you expect everybody to be competent in artificial intelligence, in demographic, in geopolitics, and in climate change, but because you need to know that this stuff will impact uh, your job, your company, your country, your yes, community, yes. and perhaps your family. The second element is when you grow, uh, uh, you have to play the caring game. And caring is not a, an elegant video on a, on a corporate website. It's really understanding that 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 you care about people and you know about them and uh, mm -hmm. you're taking care of them. And when I say taking care, I don't mean in a condescending way or maybe by giving uh, free yoga classes every Wednesday. It's really, uh, do, you do you provide what, what uh, you know, uh, is called the psychologically safety, uh, safe environment that allows people to do mistakes and to grow as individuals? Mm -hmm. So it's not easy for people to move from I to we, and a lot of people can't do this. So they maybe do it because it's politically correct, but eventually they don't. Um, I remember work with, with, with an individual not so long time ago in which uh, one day I sent him a note uh, with, with some thoughts and he called me. And I thought he appreciated the fact that he spent the weekend writing something about an issue that we discussed in the leadership team a couple of days earlier. And he called me and said, well, please uh, bear in mind that you're here to work, not to think. I'm the one who thinks. And, and then you know, one hour later, say, is we're a caring organization. I feel like, no, you, you're not. Because when, when somebody is trying to help you with some ideas, you treat him like, you know, please uh, shut up because I'm the one who thinks you're just working. Uh, that, that really didn't work. So authenticity is not about uh, perfection. It's about uh, being perceived that whatever you're doing or saying is, is true. It's true to yourself. Maybe people may dislike a couple of things, but they understand it is authentic. And, and because of the reason you're followed as a leader, if, if you don't understand that and you don't internalize it, you cannot play around for too long. People will figure it out that you're just fake. Your journeys and your games get you to a place where you, you know, you have to, there's a revolution and you have to ultimately let go and you get a higher level of spiritual, you know, uh, consciousness and leadership. What proportion of CEOs do you think get to that point or are operating at that point? Uh, I don't have a statistics that I would love to use to say I wrote a thesis about this, eh? but uh, I, I don't know if you can get 10%. I, I don't think you can. Uh, I think, uh, mm, again, it's not about CEOs or bad people at all, but uh, there is an element of uh, narcissism attached to some of the careers. And, um, and the idea that you are irreplaceable, okay? And I know some, some of the people, well, in their 70s or 80s, they're still there. They, they don't let it go. When in reality, I'm quoting one of my favorite books, which is uh, uh, Memoir d'Adrien, uh, which is by Marguerite uh, Yorsena, which is a French uh, author. And, uh, and uh, uh, by describing 
Adriano, this uh, Roman emperor, the book finished with a, with a beautiful phrase that you say, I realized that I was a, a great emperor because I was no longer needed. Mm. Okay, I was no longer needed. Mm. And this is to me the ultimate sign that you've done a great job when you're no longer needed. And the same with our kids. Okay, you, you want your kids to grow, you want your kids to be independent. You don't want them to wear nappies uh, uh, when they are 16. And also, leadership is, is, is something similar. Uh, growing people, hoping and thinking they, they, they will be able to walk and take uh, independent decisions because they have a solid value system, not because you, yeah, they're controlled by you. And so uh, that's probably the difference between this book and many books about leadership, because there are so many of them, and mm. most of them are interesting. They have, the way I see three three chunk of books, one, one set of book is the heroic story of a hero, uh, you know, and you have the, you know, these uh, biographies of Steve Jobs or these, these people there. Then you have all the books uh, that are referring to what the leader should be doing. Um, and it's difficult to reconcile because at times you read, uh, you know, you need to have a strategic view for the next 30 years. And by the way, please uh, keep on making profit for the next uh, 20, 20 quarters. And it's kind of difficult to look, you know, 20 years ahead and simultaneously making sure that you're profitable every month for the next 10 years. And then a third kind of book, uh, which is more humanistic, uh, is about what a leader should be. Uh, but again, it's also difficult because at times they, they ask you to do things that are kind of difficult to, to, to incorporate in the same individual. What I want to do with this book is not to describe what they should be doing, is not to tell a story about a hero, and it's not about, uh, you know, painting or drawing an analytic uh, view of what a leader should be doing, but it's really to say, how do you grow as an individual, no? Because... Mm -hmm. um, uh, in order to be a leader, a credible leader, you have to be grown as an individual. And if you can't master this, it's going to be difficult. So on that theme, if you are speaking with a, an aspiring leader, somebody on the way up, doing well, self-aware enough to think about their own development, what would be the typical, perhaps, assumptions or mis you know, misplaced assumptions they might be making or myths about leadership? You'd say... Be be aware of this. Be 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 conscious of this as you forge your own journey, play your own games. Because leadership is is one of those big buzzwords. Everyone talks about it, and there's lots of things that become in vogue, but are often wrong. What would be the ones that really perhaps grate at you or frustrate you? Matt, listen. Perhaps I can refer also to my experience as a former HR director in organization. So I was I sit in panels, and most of the time was chairing the panel to decide who would have been promoted to a leadership position. Now, mm -hmm. that is a very intense moment where you have a bunch of people that all of them aspire to become a, a manager or, or whatever title is given an organization. No? And, uh, and here you are, you have a beauty contest of uh, 6, 10, 10, 12 people per day mm -hmm. try to impress you to say, listen, I, I should be the one to uh, get you to the next level. And the common theme that emerged in this conversation that could be a coaching or an interview, even if the modality is very different, is people try to prove that they can be a good leader because they've been a good technical contributor. So now I can be a good CEO because I was the one selling more nappies uh, at Procter & Gamble's. Okay, I can be a good leader because I reduced the cost. Uh, Mm. For or maybe I invented a new process or I introduced a new methodology or whatever. And, and that's okay. And that's, to me, referring to the better game. The fact that you master the better game 
yes. is necessary but not sufficient to be a credible leader. Yes. And to be a credible leader, you have to move from what I call uh, uh, independence to interdependence, meaning yes. uh, you start your life uh, as a child, you depend on your parents, then uh, you grow and you become little by little more independent. But then there is a moment of maturity, wisdom, that you need to understand that you go from independence to interdependence, yes. in which you understand that collaborating is the only way forward, in which you understand that you may disagree with individuals, but you sit down and you try to find a meaningful solution for everybody involved. And so this maturity, this modality, this mindset is not necessarily obvious for people that maybe they've been doing incredibly well some jobs in the past. So, uh, and this is what Marshall Goldschmidt wrote in his book uh, to say, what got you here won't get you there, yes. which is a brilliant title. The phone said, listen, you know, you, 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 it's a different game. Wow. Paolo, what a great conversation. You do pack in a lot of wisdom, of course, your own experience and research into a shorter space of time. And I'm very grateful for making the time today. That was another edition of Lancefield on the Line. I do hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Please do check out the other episodes in the series. Give me a five-star rating if you're feeling generous and do sign up to the YouTube channel and to the podcast. Paolo, thanks for your time again.